Welcome back to episode 103 of the Run Culture Podcast. Today, I was very lucky to chat to a good friend of mine, Dion Finochario. Dion is the Australian record holder for the 50 kilometers. He's a hawker-sponsored ultra-marathoner, head coach of Evolve Run Club, and a massage therapist at Bayside Sports Medicine Centre in Sandringham. Off-air, over the last few weeks, Dion and I have been chatting about this particular topic that we bring to you today. It's on patience. We both regard patience as one of the most important skills that a successful distance runner has to possess. It's often the difference between achieving your goal and not, and it's often the difference between getting injured and not. So if you're a distance runner that is currently injured or frustrated and finding it hard to be patient, then this episode is for you. We talk about how you can better exhibit patience. We talk about the times where it is hard to be patient and much more. So I think you'll get a lot out of this. This is a collection of Dion and my experiences with patience over our lengthy running careers and over the careers of the athletes that we've had a hand in, whether it be coaching or me as a physio. So there's a lot of experience here and I think a lot of runners will get a lot out of it. So I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, without further ado, here it is. The Run Culture Podcast has always been a passion project. It was created to share stories and experiences, to educate runners and to grow the sport. Ultimately, to show that running is cool. The podcast has provided us all opportunities to listen and learn from some interesting people in the running world. Welcome to the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I am an all-out running fan and an accredited running coach, a marathoner myself, and an experienced physiotherapist that specialises in treating runners. So, before we get right into the show, if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes of the Run Culture Podcast and they have added value to your life and you want to support the podcast going into 2021, then we have a Patreon page. It's linked to in the show notes. A small monthly donation will go a heck of a way to keeping the show alive. By doing so, you too can also feel fulfilled that you are doing your bit to promote and grow the sport. Also, for those runners interested or in need, links to my online strength and conditioning course for runners or run therapy, my physiotherapy clinic, are also in the show notes. Alas, enough from me. Here's this week's interview. All right, Dion, um, here we are. Um, we've decided to do a bit of a chat together on patience and frustration in running. So this is a topic that we decided to talk about because in both our running groups that we run on Facebook, um, it seemed to be a common trend that this is where a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people struggle in running is that, um, yeah, just that, that frustration of either being injured or not achieving your goal. And that just, just, it's fine. It's so hard to be patient when you are out injured or, or just patiently, you know, waiting six months, 12 months, two years to slowly achieve your goal. You just want to get it now. Um, so I think it's a great topic. Um, yeah, um, what, what do you think about the topic? 
Yeah, that's it, Dane. Uh, uh, so many people have, you know, mentioned that, you know, they've been a bit frustrated by having an injury and, you know, that they don't have the patience to kind of see it through and they kind of want to test the waters a bit too soon or maybe their goal, um, while it's great to aspire to a, a certain goal, uh, a lot of the time you leave yourself for too short a runway and then you end up setting yourself up to either get injured injured, or then not achieve your goal and be disappointed. So I think, and also on top of that, you know, you've invested your, you know, your annual leave for an event or something like that, or you've signed up with a, a running group, uh, like a charity group or something or things like that. And then, so you feel obliged, you know, you, you know, sink, sink or swim kind of thing and you just go for it. So yeah, a lot of people have mentioned the, the frustration and so we thought it would be a really good idea to uh, have a bit of a discussion about it and leave the listeners with uh, a few t- takeaway ideas that they can have have in their mind when the next feel like they're in this kind of cycle where they're just struggling with uh, either the getting yourself back from an injury and feeling that the progress or the progress is too slow or whether you are on the cusp of getting injured and then you've got this event coming up shortly and you think, well, I'm nearly there. I'll just do three or more hard weeks and then I'll take a break. Uh, it's kind of about managing your expectations and I feel like we can uh, get through some of those talking points today. Nice. Yeah, and I think we yeah decided just off air before that um, there's probably two types of um, times where I know it, my, I myself as a physio really see it um, in the injured runner. Um, so I often see people in pain and and then I see a lot of impatient and frustrated runners um, for various reasons that um, are in pain and injured and they, and they can't run or they can't do their race um, that they were meant to do. So that was one type of runner that, and, that, and, I, and I can attest to this myself personally and, and so can you Dion and um, so many other runners can, like how frustrated and impatient we get when we are injured and can't achieve our goals. Um, so that, that was one runner. And then the other time that I often see impatience in runners is, is just with, they, they won't be injured at this point, but uh, it often leads to injury um, or um, not achieving your goals is just that um, training plan and training decisions um, often, sh- often show a lot of impatience and um, are, are often rushed and, and things done uh, a bit out of order and too quickly. And, and um, so we wanted to go over a little bit of, about um, training plans and, and, and planning for races and, and how you could better show some patience in training as well. So it was that type of runner that we were, that was the second category that we thought we'd uh, talk about as well. Yeah. And I, I can, I can just add additionally to that as well. That's kind of where I am now, like not injured, but was coming back from quarantine and having a lot of different stimulus and stresses in, in life that I've come back and tried to just, you know, sign up to all these events, but I was not quite fresh enough to do sessions and long runs and stuff. And I was just totally exhausted when I was like, oh, I should be able to do this, but I was struggling. So, you know, um, you know, it happens to everyone, coaches, happens to athletes, happens to everyone. I think it's important to just be able to just look within and just say, look, um, in order to uh, 
move forward and to evolve and to kind of grow, you need to be able to pull back at times to allow the freshness to catch up so that then whenever you do try and uh, push yourself either speed or distance or things like that, that you're actually fresh enough to get there and sustain it without cooking yourself or getting injured. Because yep. one, you can't just progress kind of up like a upward chart and look perfect. There's along the way that you're going to have a little bit of a dip. And I, I think that's important to, to be aware of that you're going to have to take stock at some stage, recoup, and then go forward again. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think like painting the picture that that's normal and that's the normal journey every runner's on is it's um, yeah, often, yeah, a lot of dips um, and a bit of a roller coaster. Um, uh, but then you can sort of like mellow those dips out if you start to, um, yeah, start, start to like, um, exemplify a bit more patience. Um, and you start, I like how you said, um, look within Dion, um, cause, uh, in, in that first type of runner, um, that I think we'll sort of touch on now and, and t- go over first is the runner that's, um, had to pull out of a, a race perhaps in one to two weeks or three weeks time and uh, because they're injured and they're in pain and um, uh, you know you have to look within and, and, and uh, ask yourself why am I injured oh, why am I frustrated why am I impatient um, and uh, you know for some people it'll be um, uh, they've put you know 12 months of, of their life um, on hold and trained intensely for this one goal and and now it looks like they're not going to achieve it so quite justifiably you're you're frustrated um, uh, you might have booked this race and it cost a fair bit of money or you might have like Dion alluded to earlier um, been part of a charity team um, and you feel like you're letting that team down uh, running might be a huge part of your identity and your routine um it might be something that you use for stress relief um or you might use it to stay fit and uh you might be on this quest to lose some weight um you might have had this same injury seven times before and you've got it again you know there's all um quite um uh, reasonable reasons to be uh frustrated um but you've got to like look within and work out why you're showing you know, why are you impatient? Why are you frustrated? What is making you, I don't know, angry, upset, uh, distraught about not being able to run? Um, and then I think once you have worked out why, you're more likely to be able to go about addressing it and um, I, I, uh, working out a plan of attack and you might have to modif- modify your plan because it's just unrealistic that you're gonna do this event um, but you, you, you um, work out a plan that's going to address these, these factors and then um, also work out why you got injured um, and, and then, uh, you know, start addressing, addressing weaknesses um, in your routine or your body um, so that it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, what do you have to say about that, Dion? Um, yeah, I kind of really agree with that and I think that there's another reason why you know I think a lot of people can be a little bit impatient with uh, pushing when they probably could do with uh, some scaling back and that could be an age thing you know you're 
you're aging and you're kind of, oh, I'm in good shape at the moment. I really want to kind of, you know, jar, you know, jar this feeling or this fitness if I can or bottle it and then, you know, it doesn't last as long as it, the window isn't as big as when you're a bit younger. Um, other things could be work coming up or, you know, I've got people that have, uh, you know, about to have, um, prep, you know, children with their partner, whether it be the female or the male, like, you know, a guy can kind of train through and, you know, get an event done like a couple of months or so before, you know, expected baby arrives. But whereas a female, like, you know, you've then got like X amount of months where even years where you can't really push. So if you're kind of at that time of your life as well, um, could be an age that you're either older and kind of on the other side, or it could just be a timeline that, oh, we're going to have children and a family that we want to do our event now. And I, I find that's one as well, like, especially with bucket list goals, either, you know, I want to do my first marathon, Ironman, first sub three, 3.30 marathon. Um, yeah, I see that a lot as well. Yeah, no, they're all, um, yeah, I, I've seen them all before. Um, and there's just that timeline on, on, on you and, and that, that adds a, a fair bit of burden and stress, doesn't it? And no wonder it makes you frustrated or impatient. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, uh, I think once you've identified, cause there are some that you can, um, uh, once you've identified why you're stressed, like, I think there are some that you can reasonably, um, once the initial anger and, and everything and frustration sort of civil, civiled out and, and you've taken a step back, you can actually go about quite adequately addressing them. Like, um, you know, say it was running was your, your main form of stress relief and you really enjoyed running because it made you happy and it helps you cope with your stressful job or um, other things that were stressing you out in life. Yeah, running might be your favorite way to um, relieve stress, but there are plenty of other ways. And so I think you just have to go, oh, okay, well, this is only for four weeks or however long the physiotherapist uh, um, or health professional that's looking after you has, has said, um, I can relieve stress in another way. There's always an alternative. Um, so I think um, once you start talking about it methodically like that, um, uh, that can help relieve some of the impatience as well. Um, uh, you know, there, there's there's heaps of things like running might be your your form of identity, and you're in such a routine with running. Then you know, perhaps um, the physiotherapist has identified the injury that you've got is because of uh, weakness in your post posterior um, chain or lateral chain. So. Um, you dedicate the time that you used to dedicate for running to strengthening your lateral chain or your posterior chain in the gym or at home. Um, so there you're turning what otherwise was a negative time and, and a, a really frustrating uh, experience to a positive, positive thing and, and you're really gaining something so that next time you're running, you've got a stronger, stronger body and it's less likely to happen again. So um, it's really about taking a step back and, and asking yourself, what can I do 
to get through this and what can I do to address the reason why I'm getting impatient? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so then uh, in terms of um, addressing addressing things, like I, I just want to bring up one, one example that I've had recently. Um, like I've had... Uh, uh, Actually, two two runners. Like one one runner um, who I coach um, got a stress fracture at the end of last year, and he he was um, set with the um, uh, prognosis that it's going to take eight weeks. He wasn't allowed to run for eight weeks, um, and we we worked out why he got injured. And one of the reasons was he um, uh, was very weak, and uh, he could have um, had a, a nicer running technique. He was a bit uncoordinated and hit the ground quite hard. And, and so he was obviously like a bit distraught initially, but then um, once we sort of said the silver lining of this time is to work, is, is you can work on, work on your weaknesses or work on, work on get, becoming, um, you know, a more balanced, holistic person um, uh, on many fronts, um, uh, not just in the gym, but he also um, uh, sort of, you know, worked on, um, you know, discovering some other interests outside of running. Um, I think he's definitely, um, now that he's running again, he's definitely better for the injury. And it's almost like the injury was a good thing for him. Um, yeah. Which so, is annoying as frustrating it is at the time. Yeah. You know that, oh, if I just have that underlying uh, structure of training where I'm a bit stronger all round, then long-term my overall improvement range can be greater from yep. a, a better base foundation. So as annoying as it is at the time, it just, like you say, with that silver lining, he's, he's now made a, a bigger window of success because yep. he's a stronger and um, because he's stronger, he can go for a longer block of training, uh, you know, ideally with no injury. And then in turn, that creates a better depth. Hundred percent, and uh, yeah, he's also I reckon um, more powerful and efficient, and just a he just looks like a better runner. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, really important to to see that um, you know a lot of good things in life um, do take some up and ups and downs, and it and it is just part of the journey. So um, I think. Um, a lot of the time, like when, when I see people that are really good at their rehab and, and make a fantastic, quick and good recovery, um, uh, they, they start to view the positives, like what can I focus on? What can I control? What can I get better? Um, and they move on. Yeah, it's okay to be a bit negative at the start. That's normal. Um, but then if you really want to um, uh, get back to running and, and, and uh, chase that goal that you're after, then you've got to start start uh, focusing on, okay, well, why did I get injured? And, and no injuries down to just luck. Um, there's always a reason. So you've got to, uh, it, it might be hard to find. Um, it, it might not be something that you were doing in training. It might've been, you know, you're burning the candle um, outside of training with work um, or, or stresses external to, or just life stresses. Um, and that made you sort of run down and, 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 um, tired and you just weren't absorbing the training load because of that. Um, there, it might've been nutrition. There, there's so many reasons, but there, you, you, you need to sort of like, um, 
take a deeper dive and work out why. And then that that will also give you um, a, a reason to, to get over the frustration because you're like, oh, it makes sense now. It makes sense. That's why I got injured. I was always going to get injured. Oh, okay, I won't get injured now um, after this, or I'll be less likely to. Um, and then that, that helps you move on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the other, the other athlete that I just quickly had that um, came to mind was, um, and why he came to mind was he's just um, exemplified um, so much patience, like without any help at all. So I think everyone's ability to be patient is different. Um, so there's some people that are just better at being patient than others. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just sort of seemed to, I mean, he wants his goals just as much as the next person, but he seemed to just take it all in his stride and go, okay, you know, you know, that's the fifth time I've been injured in the last, um, 18 months. Um, I'll have to have more time off, but he seemed to just accept it and, uh, and then just go about, um, writing the stuff that I felt like were the reasons why he kept getting injured. And, um, and, uh, yeah, he's going, he's going really well, um, because of that attitude. But I think that's important to, to know that there are like, some of us will be more prone to be impatient. And if you know that you are, um, then, um, uh, you know, this, this chat that we're having, um, right now is probably more pertinent to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, do we also like, um, address things like that the training up until that injury is not wasted as well. So, you know, you've, you've gone through this training phase, let's say you're building up to an event and you do get an injury. Unfortunately, you know, like, although that, yes, you are taking either, you know, a one rest week or whether it be eight weeks your training is a base and you can continue to add to it. And kind of how we spoke uh, a while back, and I use the analogy of the yellow pages where, you know, if you get one page of a book, you can easily rip it, but you get a lot of pages together and that's, you know, not doing one really, really good session gives you thicker pages. It's each kind of week and each run, uh, gives you one page at a time. And then by just constantly getting those pages together, you've made this really thick book and, you know, it's harder to break down. So even though that you're taking a bit of time off, your book is not necessarily getting much thinner at all, but you're, you know, you're going to be able to then just compound on that a bit later on when you are back running again. And hopefully you've come back with a better structure or processes in place whether you and your coach kind of come up with your training plan together, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, send and receive kind of thing. It's something that you work on together. Um, so I, I think, you know, whether you come up with new physical ways to stay robust, strong and continue running or whether it's a psychological thing or something that you can just restructure by, you know, playing around with your running dynamics or, even just the days that you train, you know, you could just, oh, let's just do your gym work after your training, as opposed to, you know, just do it before or things like that. So you can always come out either, if not a physically better runner, at least a smarter runner. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, 
Yeah, really, really good point. The yellow pages versus the mag- magazine, um, uh, because I think um, that's where, like, if we were to move on to the second type of runner now, um, that often shows a lack of patience. It's when we're trying to race towards our goals, um, uh, and we work out our training plan. A lot of the training plans that I've seen perhaps say, like for example, in the last three weeks, I've probably rewritten um, uh, about 10 training plans um, for, for runners that have got hurt and injured. And so it's funny how um, uh, when, you, when I've looked back at their training plan, my training plan looks so simple. Like I've, I've pretty much um, uh, cut out a lot of the variables and, and just um, altered one variable at a time just yeah. so that you feel like you've got a sense of control. Um, and then once you've got a sense of control, um, so like say your body responds to the training one week and, and it's going really well, it's pain-free, um, you, you, you're going forward towards your goal and in the next week it's sore and there's only one variable that you've changed you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll go back to the week before. Um, whereas yeah. if you had about five variables that you're dialing at once, your long run went up, your total volume went up, your run frequency went up, you, you had a gym in, um, you, you did more intensity in there um, in terms of volume of intensity, you did five more reps. Of course, you're going to you know, probably be sore next week, but you know, why are you sore? You're not sure. Um, so then it, um, it, it, uh, oh, that's where people show impatience, you know, um, they, they get sucked in, they want to get better and it's great. But, um, because running is lacks variety, it's a, it's not like a triathlon, um, where you can, um, change the legs. Um, you can do a swim, a ride or a run and alternate and, and really offload certain body parts. You're always doing the same thing running. It's very repetitive. So we've got to be a bit more, um, yeah, I suppose dialed in and concise with, um, what we're changing and why and, and, um, how we go about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important. Like how you said, uh, with, you know, it's such a single plane, you know, if you, if your training is running and then you can't run, like you can't do, you can't do the sport. Whereas if you're doing triathlon, for example, you, you need to, you know, you can do swimming or riding while taking away the running. So I think as a runner, it's good to have a, a bit more of a bow or strings to your bow where you can, you know, adapt and, you know, oh, I can, I can still go cross training. I can do my gym routine because I'm not running while doing that. Uh, you might have to alter some of the exercises potentially, but you know, what's to say that you can't go into a, a bike ride or something, or you can't do a swim. Um, you know, you can't do some rowing potentially, you know, kind of offloading the joints if that's what it is. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can, uh, keep some stimulus in with your week. Yeah, that's beautiful. And like that, that sort of, um, lends really well to that point we said earlier where you've got to work out why um what what running is to you and you know if um uh you know running's a stress reliever um it's part of your routine um it's part of your identity um then having some um you know having a routine of of gym 
um, and cross training where you still feel like you're moving forward with your fitness goals. You still got your routine. You still feel like, um, uh, yeah, you're getting better as a runner because you're doing something. Um, yeah. Like it, I think that's really valuable. So you've got, you're sort of forming a lower load um, exercise routine that you can fall back to and you can use and know that um, you're polarizing your training really well. Um, and, and that sort of lends really well to that whole harmonious passion versus obsessive passion when you're, um, when you're viewing your, your running training um, and your program. Uh, when you go for a run, you need to know the purpose of each run. And, um, and, it, and runners being runners, like we, we are always, generally we um, you know, do get pretty OCD about trying to get better and, and, and our routine. And um, sometimes the reason why we run can get a bit blurred and um, uh, you, know, you might have a sore foot, but you feel like you need to run for stress relief. But um, should you be running with that sore foot? Like, is that a time where you should be contacting your coach and going, look, I might, uh, might need to alter this training session and jump on the bike. Um, and so sometimes the obsessive nature where we can like start getting a bit obsessive about going for a run can sometimes blur the lines between, um, yeah, what we should be doing, um, uh, and what we want to do. Yeah. And, and what's to say that you can't call up a friend and say, Hey, I'm not going to go for a run that, you know, I'm happy to either ride next to you while you run, or would you want to come for a ride with me? What's, you know, you, you don't have to be alone in the whole process. You can say to your coach, Oh, do you mind if I, you know, go for a ride with a friend instead of the run, I'm feeling a bit sore. I, I think that's important and you're going to get a better holistic approach with your training program. It, the more you kind of communicate and, you know, especially with how your body feels. If you're like not too sure about, oh, I'm a little bit tender, but it says to run for 50 minutes, but I'm a little bit sore. You know, I think you really need to kind of say to somebody or make it known that it's, you know, I, you know, the coach can see that you've run 50 minutes and they, oh, they're going fine. Like you, you need to have that communication as well. Um, otherwise, you know, who's to say that anyone's ever going to know that you've been sore. Dion, how important is a coach? Um, yeah, obviously, uh, being both of us being coaches, like it, it's super important. Uh, you know, not, I don't think every single person needs one. I think some people, for time or for you know the headspace, like they, they just need to go out and just zen out. You know, for some people uh, who have got a, a, I guess, performance in mind, or you know, just want to you know come come back from work or before they go to work and get ready for for school or whatever it is to be like, Oh, I, I don't know what to do today. It's nice to be able to go, oh, oh, okay. So I'm doing this run today and it's been considered and thought for, for me. I don't have to spend, you know, days at home during the week, you know, trying to come up with a, 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 an exciting run or something that's going to get me conditioned for whether it's, I want to run, you know, my first 5k or if I want to do, you know, a, a a faster marathon, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of merit in it. And, and also just having that access to race experience, you know, oh, what did you do for this race? What do you find helps with your hydration or whatever, or, you know, I'm running 
this kind of run, you know, do you know anyone that wants to join me? So I think you get on top of the training benefits and having a structure with your goals in mind and the time you've got available. Um, also being able to network you with other people who might be similar ability or even similar location yeah. where then you've got, you know, if you wanted that access to running with others, you know, so, um, you know, having, being a coach, like I, I definitely think that it's, it's worthwhile having one. Yeah. I mean, it's just good for the, um, to have a sounding board, I think. Um, like I, I coach myself, um, but for, for, uh, 15, 20 years, I was coached by other people. Uh, so the last five years I've coached myself and, but I do have like, um, some friends that I, I really, um, uh, respect their opinion. So often I, I just shoot through my next month of training and say, Oh, what do you think of this? And, and often it, you know, even though I've been in the sport for like, you know, 23, 24 years and I've been, um, and I, and I feel really confident that I, that I can sort of like tell other people like, oh, I think, you know, that's too much or, you know, you know, that's, that's not enough or that's just right. When it comes to yourself, it's really hard to say that. So in, recently, just, you know, two weeks ago, um, my friend who I send my program to, he's like, Dane, that's just ridiculous. Why have you got four sessions in one week? Um, that's way too much. And I had to just say, oh, yeah actually, I think you're right there. Um, I was just getting carried away and, and it's, yeah. it's just easy. Emotional, yeah. Emotional investment in an upcoming event. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, um, I think we, our, sometimes our decisions can get clouded by that. And that's when we show a lack of patience. Um, cause we want yeah. it, we and want think, it too much. And I think when you're fit, you look at that particular one session and you think, Oh, I can do that. And you don't look at, Oh, that's like four weeks where I've done a lot of big sessions, a lot of, you know, big long runs and a lot of volume that, oh, I didn't think about all those weeks altogether. I just think about, I look at that one run that I've given myself and I think oh, I'll be able to, you know, easily achieve that. Yeah. Um, so when you've got a goal in mind, you kind of have it in a way the blink is on and I've definitely done it too. And, you know, however, shared our plans before leading into events and we kind of trying to tee up runs together and stuff, you know, you, you look at their training and you're like, damn, that's like some big workouts. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, I think it's important to be able to go, Oh, I think that's a bit much. Yeah. I think, Oh, where's your recovery week? Yep. You know, where you do, where in your week is an easy day or an easy week. Um, you know, you're doing a hard training week after a, you know, kind of like a training race or something. You, know, you need to be able to look onto your paper and say, oh, you're not going to be at the race tired. I think yeah. you're going to, I think you're going to be well rested, but you're also going to be really fit as well and confident that knowing that you can be on the start line, ready to achieve your goal, but then, you know, get to the finish line as well, as well. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, so good. Like, I think as runners, we can all fall into that mindset of more's better. Um, like, you, like a, a lot of runners do sort of appreciate the idea that hard work gets you somewhere. Um, but then I think we can fall into the trap where we just really undervalue and underappreciate recovery and rest. And, um, yeah, like, um, uh, you, 
I've sort of really sort of come to appreciate that training really is just the accumulative effort of a lot of weeks um, over time. And um, often if you look at one of those weeks just by themselves, they don't look too special and that's what they should look like. And, and they're just a small brick and then you just, you know, put another small brick in and another small brick and eventually you build a house. But um, in, the brick by itself doesn't look too significant and and that's and that's what it should look like and um just having that mindset that is there enough recovery in there you know do i need a recovery week like you said every fourth week um because you really ultimately want to be training sustainably and and training for the long term because um it's just a really good mindset to know that if you don't get injured for two three or four years you're going to be killing it you're going to be performing really well um and and i think um you know for those of you that have like timeline goals where you're like oh well you know i, I don't plan to be i don't have you know two years to really um i i, I need to get my goals in six months like um then you really you you um like um, you should be pitching, like when you pitch, you should be re recalculating your goals um, because uh, normally that, that's the mistake that I often see is um, it starts off with the goal and um, and then if you feel like you, you're, you're, you're um, pushing it to achieve that goal in six months, yeah, it's great to have hard, hard goals and goals that are challenging. Um, but uh, if, if you're, you're talking to someone and, and a few health professionals and they're really questioning the training you're doing and you're breaking down all the time, then that goal that you're probably trying to achieve in six months is, is a little ambitious. Um, so, um, and, and, and then starting to have that mindset where you go, okay, well, all right, I'll, tra I'll train for a smaller goal, like a, a, a stepping stone goal uh, for three months time you adjust your training accordingly so you, you change what you try to do each week there's less pressure and if there's less pressure you, you train you know uh you make smarter decisions you make smarter decisions and then before yeah. you know it you, you're exercising some consistency and then maybe that six month goal is looking more more achievable um but it's a trap that a lot of people fall into they look at this big goal in six months and then they model their training off that. And so they're, they're doing far too much for what they're ready for. And then they just break down and don't achieve that goal in six months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, like a, I guess um, it changes at that goal. You've got to pitch, it, pitch that goal with where you're at. And then with time, your body adapts and is able to slowly do more. Um, uh, the, the, the other thing that I just wanted to touch on with coaching um, or just having, you know, it might just be a friend, you know, someone who's a good sounding board that you really trust. And uh, I think like once you've written um, your four week schedule, you might go over it with them and they've sort of given it the tick of approval. But in four weeks time, the, the training plan might change according to life stresses and, and various other things that you've gone through. So you've got to be prepared to not feel like you have to be a slave to the program. And sometimes exercising some flexibility and adapting and, and changing um, and, and, and scheduling an easy week 
um, is needed. So you've got to um, uh, have have the uh, maturity to take a step back. And if you feel like um, you've had some really good weeks and you're actually a little bit tired and you and you feel like your fitness is in a really good spot for the time being, then it's actually really smart to have an easy week so that you can then have another two or three weeks good weeks after that and stay on the good side of injury. Yeah, and uh, and again, you're comp- compounding all of your your fitness and you're building your base. Um, you're feeling generally fresher. And I don't know about you, but after I've had an easy week, I don't always feel amazing during the easy week, but I feel really good yeah. the week after. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's, even if you say if you have the easy week, don't feel down about yourself that you, oh, I know what I can do, but this is what I'm doing this week. You know, you kind of see it through and, uh, you know, then the week after you generally feel a bit better. So, and I think we've also discussed it before about that uh, baking a cake analogy. You know, you've got all these ingredients to work with and you've got, say, you've got 12 weeks to, to cook your cake in and, but, you know, you miss a couple of weeks at the start and, you know, so then all of a sudden it becomes nine weeks and then you've got the taper at the end, so you take away two weeks. So you've got seven weeks and you've got 12 weeks of training. You can't just put it all into seven weeks and then just expect the cake to be cooked all the way throughout. You know, it's probably going to be burnt on the outside and runny on the inside. <laughs> it's a really... Such a chef. <laughs> yeah. It's just a really good way of thinking about your training. Like, is it going to be evenly done throughout? You know, maybe I need to, you know, we've all got different ovens or whatever. You know, you might you might have six months. Okay, that's that's more likely that you're going to have an evenly nice fluffy cake or whatever. But if you have it too short a time and you're trying to turn the temperature up to cook it quickly, uh, yet more often than not, you end up kind of breaking down or, you know, if you take the cake out and it's runny, it, you know, it, it deflates and it looks a bit, looks you injured. know, not so nice. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll add on to that. Like um, if you've, if, if you've, you know, only got seven weeks, but you you needed twelve um, for your training goal. Then you, you change what you're trying to cook, and you might try to cook some brownies or something that are a bit smaller. Um, and that's probably equivalent to um, you know changing your goal from a marathon to a half or a half to a ten, or changing your time goal. You know you might have been trying to break four for a marathon. Don't worry about breaking four now. You don't have enough time. You're going to overcook the cake if you try. So. Just, just enjoy the marathon. Try to get, have an enjoyable experience. Participate, but don't go for your time goal. So you just got to readjust your expectations um, accordingly, because otherwise, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're not being patient, and um, you're, you're not training smart, um, like you said before, uh, Dion. Yeah. Yeah. And I can probably add in a, a personal ex- experience with that uh, that cake analogy. Yeah. Um, after that 50k, then suddenly going into this 100k attempt that I did, which it's on a fixed date and it's kind of potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity. I was like, well, I'll have a crack, and you know, I, fe- I felt like I did some really good training, but it wasn't enough time, and I feel like you know, lacking a few the longer runs, a bit more specific kind of work. Um, so, you know, if you've got your 
you know, to make it for somebody else, whether you've, you've got, you know, a work deadline coming up and, you know, you're an accountant and you want to get your, your event done before tax season. Well, maybe just, you know, often or not, more often than not, people will just be, oh, you know what? throw caution to the wind and if I get injured then I've got this big time where I'm busy and I can't do anything. It's not always the best best way to do it. Um, but yeah, you, I think that's what where a coach is really important as well. You know, just coming up with, oh, well, it's a one-time-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Maybe risk it, but, you know, what are the downsides? I think you want to also come up with what can you potentially gain, but what are the downsides? Yeah. Um, for me, downside was... You might get coronavirus. You might be not might, might not be allowed back in the country. Yeah. Uh, with quarantine and stuff, um, you know, you might not get the, you might not get an Aussie record. You might not finish. You might get an injury, overtraining. There was a lot of risks, yeah. but I, I thought that the reward of potentially having a Australian record that you know lasts hopefully for a long time um, was kind of a, a really um, a good prospect and I was willing to kind of risk that. Yep. But yeah, my cake was a bit runny and probably <laughs> probably wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, now that going through that risk benefit um, analysis, um, yeah, is, is so important. And yeah, just, just on, on, on what you said about like sometimes like, you know, you know, say, you know, you had that accountant and it was all the business business owner and, and it was, tax time and or they just had like some deadline on them for some particular reason and they're like oh i'm just gonna i know i don't have much time but i'm still just gonna shoot for the stars for this race and and just hope for the best and you know you know close my eyes cross my fingers and just hope hope that it works um and if i get injured i've got some time to to recover like i think that just really exemplifies that boom and bust kind of thinking that a, a lot of uh chronically injured runners uh have um, where they throw everything at it, they're a hundred percent, they're all in or all out, and um, and uh, you know you've got to appreciate that. Yeah, you might train really well for six weeks, but then you've got a six week block where you do absolutely nothing, um, and you decondition a lot, and you lose a lot of strength, capacity, some fitness, um, and and so then you're setting yourself up for just another injury, um, and 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 for the same process to happen again so i think when you are going through that risk benefit you've got to think about the long term and if you start thinking a bit more about the long term you'll be less frustrated and um yes it's a you're exercising patience um but i just i mean that's the, the over overarching message that i want to get through um is to to yeah to to start thinking about it like that and and if you if you start thinking about your your initial goal, because um, that will uh, and give yourself enough time and and pitch the goal according to your ability and where you're at, really appropriately. So, if you're um, new to running and you're um, just m mastering the five k at park run and you're really going well at that, you know perhaps you know doing a marathon in three to six months isn't the greatest goal for you. Like maybe you know, just trying to consolidate and, and get get quicker at parkrun and maybe have a 10K in, in three to six months is a great goal. And and then that means that the training you decide to do is going to be more appropriately pitched with where you're at. 
and, and everything seems to fall into place um, uh, a bit more appropriately. You're not forcing the issue. Um, and, and then, you know, maybe your marathon happens in two, three years' time. Um, uh, but that, that's a... That, they're the kind of decisions that you've got to start thinking. They're the kind of, that's the kind of mindset you've got to start um, using. Yeah, definitely. Sorry about Remy. He's going nuts. Um, <laughs> um, I think there might be someone at the front. There was one other thing that um, I wanted to go over was that, that adrenaline chasing um, uh, yeah. type of running that, that um, a lot of us, like, um, I mean, you know how we all know how good we feel after a good session like it 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 makes you feel really satisfied you feel super fit you feel healthy um so yeah just um uh those monster sessions that we sometimes see uh i, I feel like um some runners are doing them before they actually should be and um you might be able to do them for a, a couple of weeks or a month or so but then soon enough you you feel a bit burnt out or injured um yeah do you have much to say about them dion yes these are long run sessions monster sessions they're very trendy you see you know the best running runners on instagram doing them you know they're the cream of the crop of the athletes and you know they've trained a lot of a portion of their life it's part of their you know professional working career so they're at a stage where they're so fit that they can do these sessions. It's not that they do these monster sessions and now they're fit. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, if I see Elliot Kipchoge or Liam Adams or somebody amazing that's doing great stuff, you see them doing these big sessions and you think, oh, that's why they're so fit. But it's the other way around. They're so fit that they can actually do these sessions. And I, I think a lot of people recreational you know myself included you know recreational to majority of the extent that you know you you see these big meaty workouts in your long run but more often than not you'd probably just be better off doing a workout by itself not having such a, a lot of volume in the one run but then just consolidating that with an easier paced long run um, it doesn't have to be super stupidly slow but it can be depending on how you how your training is periodized you know you can make it a progressive where you kind of get a little bit quicker at the end but you don't need to do these big you know five by five kilometer reps at marathon pace in your long run or you know three or four by seven k reps or you know things that are you look at it like a month out or anything you know, it's on your mind for the whole time. Firstly, you're stressing yourself out. Um, it might look cool on Strava or something if you nail it, but more often than not, you know, you probably just do something a bit smaller, um, get your long run done. So I think the important thing is when you're training for a half marathon or a marathon, you know, you're just getting the mileage more often than not, you know, you do your, your sessions and you do your, you know, your moderate, easy-paced long run, it'll glue together on the day. You don't need to run your marathon before the marathon, get to the marathon and be somewhat too tired to then, you know, hold yourself together in the second half. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of the, the best 
if you're on that performance side and you're running, you know, females, I think the elite time is, you know, 250 for like a lot of qualifying, like championship races or things like that. And guys is like 230. I think if you're in that level, by all means, knock yourself out. You're probably at a fit enough level that you can sustain that every couple of weeks, not every week. Uh, you definitely, even the best people don't do that stuff every week. You do that every couple of weeks, once a month even. But as a recreational kind of side of things, you know, you probably don't don't need to do them all the time. And, you know, you could even just do like smaller bite sizes. You could do 1K on, 1K off for 10K, you know. Well, I think, yeah, for... definitely like you dilute dilute it a little bit and make it specific to to you so it's like a small stepping stone um from what you've done in the past um whereas like so so often i i think people um see what other people are doing and it, you sort of go oh geez look at how well they're running that must be the secret sauce and um uh and then they jump straight into it um thinking that that's the secret um but really that's just something that that, that that's a one percenter like it's um something that they just they're trying to squeeze a bit more juice out of their career where they've been at a high level ticking off the fundamentals like they're, they're doing the key key things um uh just the basics um you know for 15 years and then they're just sort of adding a little bit more stress to their physiology um because they've got to the the, that stage where their body's going to um, tolerate it, their their body's quite strong um, because they've, like you said, they've, they've taken ten years or or more to to get to that level. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's. Um, I just think yeah, just just beware of the monster session. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the other thing, Dion, I wanted to also quickly mention because I just thought of it was that whole. Like I've seen a lot of programs where they where where uh, and I used to do this. I, I I used to go, oh okay, seven days I'll 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 push this up, and seven days I'll push this up, I'll push this up, I'll push this up, and and then like um yeah, it wasn't until you know a few years ago I started listening to more and more um uh running podcasts, and 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 when I started coaching myself, I was like, well really like who's to say that our physiology you know adapts at a certain rate like it's I think, um, you know, between individuals, everyone adapts differently um, depending on a multitude of factors, you know, whether it's nutrition, sleep, stress level, age. Um, there's so many reasons that um, fluctuate the ability of our body to adapt to training and, and how quickly we absorb training and, um, and how ready we are to uh, stress the training further. So... A lot of programs I see, um, we're all in a rush and we're, we're often uh, progressing our workload for, on a weekly basis. But, you know, who's to say that we 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 should be doing that? Like, like perhaps, um, you know, you, you go through a, a process where you stress your system, but then maybe you should just plateau and uh, and stick at that level for a while. And, and, and then um, I think a lot of people don't think they're improving unless they're doing that. But... There's a, a lot of improvement, like you said before, even just in having a, a, a rest taper week, like that's where you get fitter. Like it's a, it's a good concept to know that 
you're actually getting fitter sometimes when you're having an easy week before a race. Like that's where you actually get enough energy to to use the 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 training that you you've you've spent the last six to eight weeks or or months uh, working at. Um, so I think um, yeah, just really appreciating that we don't have to progress our training every seven days. Like. Um, and if you give yourself enough time before your goal that you don't have to progress it at that rate because like that's quite a steep gradient um, sometimes we maybe we need to progress it at this gradient to to really make sure that we're giving ourselves enough room to breathe and, and not get injured and 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 not overtrain. Um, so yeah I think that's a good one as well yeah definitely yeah yeah you know seven days is not you know, it just, for some people, fits. But, you know, you can do your long run on a Wednesday, you know, if you've got the day off. So I think with the whole working from home side of things with, you know, offices and stuff, you might be able to duck out for an extra hour or something and make it up later in the week. So um, if that's something that works and, you know, that's something that you and your coach come up with. Beauty, mate. Well, I think that's everything. Um uh, I don't know if you've got anything else to add. Um, no, that's, I think we've covered all and hopefully we've given some uh, insight and some, uh, you know, helped a few people out with some questions and definitely happy to receive any more questions and uh, feedback for other things that we might be able to cover in the future. Yeah, like I think it would be great to catch up, you know, once once a month and do something like this um, this year um, and just... Uh, yeah, compile um, some some good useful chats. Like it's pretty fulfilling to feel like you're helping other runners. Um, and uh, we did a bit of uh, research for this one, so you know we can just give ourselves a few weeks to do a bit of research bef before each one. Um, hopefully, come up with some useful useful um, insights. Uh, yeah, I think like just in a quick summary of like what we've just chatted about. Um, some of the main points were for the in, the injured runner who's who's just um, had to um, you know you know cancel out of their race that was a few weeks ago. Um, uh, like I, I think um, it's about diffusing diffusing your your irrational thoughts um, and and the thoughts that are, are really stressing you out and and starting to try to go through them and take a step back and and rationalise some of those thoughts learn why you got injured and, and go about addressing that. Um, start looking towards new distractions and new goals. Um, the thought of that your base was um, not for nothing is a really good one that you, you mentioned, Dion. Um, but I also like the idea of, um, yeah, you haven't achieved your goal and then adding the word yet on the end um, and you're just a step closer. Um, you learn you learn, yeah. from, you learn from um, your why you didn't get injured and you go about positively changing things um, and uh, adjusting your goals. Um, and then for the runner that isn't injured but um, is trying to plan towards an event, um, yeah, it's about making sustainable decisions, um, uh, having a, a creditable friend or role model or coach that you can sort of uh, talk to and chat to to help work out whether some of your decisions have been um, obsessive or they are harmonious to your goal. Um, yeah, um, having flexibility, so don't be a slave to your program. 
consistency is really key. Um, so small chunks of training at a time. So no one week looks amazing in itself, but accumulatively, all those weeks look quite, quite good together. Um, physiology doesn't adapt perfectly on a seven day cycle. Um, be prepared to plateau and regress your training. Uh, that running is a high load sport um, and we need to train accordingly and make decisions according to this. Pitch our goals effectively with plenty of a time and they mirror with where we're at um, with our current level of running. Um, don't dial too many parameters at once and beware of the the monster session. Don't skip the fundamentals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think definitely emphasize on that, uh, not overreaching in those monster sessions. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Um, yeah, always love having a chat to you. So um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Been great. Thanks, Sam. Chat soon.